0: hello everyone and welcome to picture the scene podcast hosted by me andrew
1: and me rachel
0: now please note that this is a true crime podcast so listener caution is advised now we'd love you to interact with us on our social medias and i'll leave a link in the show notes for all of the ones that we have social medias that is not show notes so how have you been rachel
1: yeah all good andrew how about you
0: not too bad have you have you had any interesting breville related incidents recently?
1: I haven't had any interesting Breville-related incidents, but I was in my local store the other day just buying a couple of reserves, and Breville get everywhere because they're not even a shop that sells, like, home appliances, and they just had them at the end of the till.
0: Everyone needs a Breville, and one of the things which I think makes you truly special, Rachel, is that you, you use words like reserves, so it's... um don't ever change
1: you know what (laughs) I said that and I immediately regretted it so I'm sorry
0: don't regret it it's it's awesome it makes you you Rachel so (laughs) more importantly than people were thinking is he going to stop um massaging her ego so I will stop but more importantly and I do actually love asking this question because it means that we're recording again are you ready for some true crime
1: Absolutely. And um, listeners, please be aware that I have not read this script. So, very excited for some true crime this evening.
0: Yes, not only has Rachel not read this, I wouldn't even tell her what it was about because I wanted to surprise her. So, hopefully, I'll, I'll do the job.
1: Just before we get on, actually, I just want to say a massive uh, well done on your co hosting podcast with Twisted Britain. I have not laughed that much. On a pod, um, about like listening to a pod in public spaces, as much as I did when I listened to You Three Get Along, that was epic. So, nice work on that. Loved all the references to Home Alone, and, uh, and I think there were Home Alone references in there, maybe, but there were a couple of um, Anch- Anchor Man, I want to say. God, yes, Anchor Man. My memory's yes. failing me. Um, but yeah, what, what a show. That was brilliant. Um, really cool.
0: I really enjoyed it. out of Bob and I.
1: I could tell. I could tell you enjoyed it. You were like, I think you were a bit like a kid at Christmas. I, I could tell how excited you were.
0: Oh, yeah, it was. It, it ticked a big, uh, I can die happy now.
1: Yeah, it's like your bucket list, eh? Hey?
0: Of course. So, if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like you to relax. Close your eyes and picture the scene. Today, I want to take you to May the 24th, 2011. You're late in the afternoon in the city of Westminster in London. The weather was hot, hitting 90 degrees that afternoon, which is about 66 degrees Fahrenheit, and it only ever dropped down to 16 that day, which is still a respectable 60 degrees. For those of you that don't know Westminster, it's a city and a brewer in inner London, and it forms part of central London. Now, most people around the world will know of it even if you don't know the name, as it houses a lot of the attractions people visit London for, such as Buckingham Palace, the House of Parliament. Actually, do you know the House of Parliament? I'm going off an Italian here already, Rachel, but House of Parliament is actually called the Palace of Westminster. Did you know that?
1: I did not know that, but I feel like you have been on a London bus tour recently, because that sounds like something that they would be telling you as you drive, dri- drive drove, drove drive past.
0: Yeah, well, I went down a Wikipedia rabbit hole, but yeah. Um,
1: oh, okay. Well, just as good. That's all the London city site tours probably do as well.
0: Uh, and also it has in Westminster, Westminster Abbey, believe it or not, Trafalgar Square, Soho, Oxford Street, and many more cover's quite.
1: Yeah, covers quite a fair bit, doesn't
0: it? It does indeed. Now, for Peter Smith, who I want to introduce you to now, it didn't matter what the weather was like. It was a glorious day for him. Now, can you guess, I know you can't guess, but can you guess why, Rachel? No. I was trying
1: to come up with something
0: witty, but no. Well, three people have seemingly just given him his life back. Now, those three people were Mr Justice Spencer, Mr Justice Sweeney, and a Lord Justice Thomas. Now, they, they had just come to the conclusion that his conviction that had been given for murder was unsafe. And they quashed his conviction and he was a free man.
1: Yeah, I can see why he was happy then. <laughs> How long did he spent in prison?
0: Um I'll get to that. Okay. Um, at least that's my next line, so that's why I'm not <laughs> telling you. Uh, on the twelfth of December, two thousand and eight, so it was three years, two and a half years later, he had been found guilty of the murder of a Hilda Owen. At Nottingham Crown Court and Judge Kramer subsequently gave him a life sentence with a minimum term of 30 years now he was 44 at a time of conviction and 43 when Hilda Owen was killed so due to time served and time spent in prison away in his appeal that meant he had just been given back by the three justices around 26 years of his life back at the minimum so you can see why he was quite happy
1: Definitely, and although I'll never commit crime to know that feeling, I can only imagine that there would be like you'd feel like invincible, wouldn't you?
0: Exactly. Do you know what I thought about? Do you remember? Do you know sometimes when you get by a Kit Kat? Yeah. And you take a bite into it; it's all chocolate.
1: I've never had that.
0: Have you never had? Well, see, think you don't know the feeling, do you? But it, it's, it's a magical feeling. It's like ooh.
1: <laughs> so man, man gets twenty-six years of his life back or Andrew discovers that Kit Kats all chocolate, no wafer. Yes. Pretty comparable?
0: <laughs> well, possibly not, but in my head. Um, <laughs> so it had been, sorry, listeners, it had been disputed that the fingerprint ever... I'm just so happy to talk to Rachel Gates. It felt like Aww. about five years since we last did this, for Rachel. Um, and anyway. we're actually,
1: sorry, just to digress one more time, we're meeting next week in person. We don't I mean, live in the same place.
0: So. We are. This sounds creepy for the listeners. and It's not some weird internet thing but yeah we uh we work together but in different countries so we're meeting together next week for the very first time and we're going to record together aren't we Rachel
1: you lucky so-and-sos
0: yes so if we get no more episodes then you know obviously that meeting didn't go very (laughs) well
1: (laughs) sorry go on get back to the story
0: yes so it had been disputed that the fingerprint evidence used against him was central to the prosecution's case but ultimately unsafe as evidence. Now, the Crown, in the appeal, which is a prosecution for those people outside of the UK, agreed that there was new evidence in relation to the fingerprint evidence. But ultimately, the evidence against him, they argued, was still strong and the conviction should stand. Now, on the, I'm just going to go into a little bit more detail because it is relevant. On the, 20, mm-hmm. on the 2nd of March 2007, around 200 fingerprints were taken from Hilda's house by the fingerprint officer, Alan Gore, who had worked for the Nottinghamshire Police at the time. He took the fingerprint evidence for over 21 years, so he was quite experienced. Mm -hmm. Now, once he had taken them, he had sent them for initial screening, but he'd also found on the 20th of March, so 18 days later, door handle in Hilda's house that had a red blood like substance on it and he could visibly see skin like ridges were on the substance because he had dried so he took numerous photographs of the handle uh, before and after some acid washes to try and enhance the prints Um, he also had examined the handle visually with his eyes and also with a microscope and he at the time ...concluded that there was insufficient detail to be able to compare any prints... ...so any comparison couldn't be made. Now, he did have Peter Smith's prints because he was a neighbour of Hilda's... ...so they had taken them as a standard procedure to be able to rule him out. Mm -hmm. Um, But by the time February 2008 came, so that was um, almost a year later... I'm, I'm trying to figure out in my head how long it is and I've actually got it. the next words on my line. So it's almost a year after the attack. He had heard that Peter Smith had been arrested. So he said that he anticipated being asked about the fingerprints that he couldn't identify. So he examined the photographs again. Now, in that time, almost a year that had passed, the police, not Gibson Police, they'd bought a new machine that let him compare more easily and he then determined that the fingerprint did match Peter Smith's left forefinger. Now, as per the police guidelines, he got two colleagues to confirm his findings. Now, it was found, however, that he didn't take any notes at any point. Later on, he said that he noted everything in his head, so he didn't have to write anything down. And when he was writing the report, he didn't include a chart that normally points out the matching areas in comparison. And now he said he didn't do that because the two people we saw verification from, they wouldn't have been able to come to their own conclusions if he'd have given them a chart telling them which matched up. Yeah. Now, take that as you wish. Now, it was also found that the defence of Pearson's lawyers, they had an expert witness at the time of the trial, a Catherine Tweedy, that would have disputed the fingerprint evidence. But ultimately, they didn't use that witness because um, the prosecution indicated that it that they'd bring her evidence as a witness from other trials into question if they did, so the defense didn't use her. Now, I won't go into any more detail as the report is quite long. I just wanted to give you an idea as to why it was quashed,
1: Yeah, the complexity is. So, and what I gather from this, just to briefly summarise, is that they're not saying he wasn't involved, but they're saying that the information at the trial was not sufficient to give him the life sentence.
0: No, they're not saying either of those things. Oh. (laughs) Sorry, because what the court of appeal does, it doesn't rule whether someone is innocent or guilty. It rules whether the evidence was safe. And what they were saying is, if... I mean, there were all the little bits like things about footprints and stuff, but mainly it was around the fingerprint evidence and what they were saying that now if the jury had access to the witness they wanted to use and they would have been aware of the errors potentially oh, wow. that was made, then they would have not necessarily come to the same conclusion. So yeah, they so sense. they quashed the conviction. Now, it would be been up to the police to decide whether they wanted to...
1: Re-prosecute.
0: Re-arrest him and re-prosecute him. But they weren't saying he was... In, never, the Court of Appeal never said someone innocent or guilty. they just say whether the evidence was safe or not, or if there okay. was a mistaken procedure.
1: Understood, um, thanks.
0: Sorry, I, I've just felt like I've been a bit of a teacher then. But, um, no,
1: that was useful. Thank you.
0: Uh, so yeah, I won't go into any more details, the report's quite long, but what I will do is pop a link to it up in the show notes, along with all the other references, so if you want to read the judgment from the Court of Appeal, you can do, yes. but ultimately, though, as I said, they the deemed Peter's defense had shown enough that the jury may have found a difficult, different verdict verdict if they had been aware.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: So... The question I have, Rachel, shall we shall we see how we got to this point in the first place and find out who really killed Hilda Owen?
1: Please do, because I feel like the suspense is going to kill me.
0: Possibly not, but I will do anyway. So, so once again, if it's safe to do so, I'd like to relax. Close your eyes and picture the scene. This time we're taking to the 27th of February, 2007, and we're taking to the village of Skegby in Sutton in Ashfield which itself is a couple of miles west of Mansfield. Skegby can be traced back to the Doomsday Book in 1086, when it was described described as a barrack of the King's Manor at Mansfield, but is likely to date much further back than that. Now, while Skegby still exists, it was officially abolished as a parish in 1953, and it merged with Sutton in Ashfield. And the last population count I could find was way back in 1931, when it had just over six and a half hours people living in the village. So there's your history lesson. But that, that day of the 27th of February, that day was a pretty miserable day, weather-wise. And it was dry for the most part, but it was cold, with the weather ranging between six and eight degrees on a day, which is between 42 and 46 degrees, enough to make you want to look outside your window and stay inside.
1: <laughs> Sounds about right.
0: The inside is where Hilda was that day. At the age of 71, she didn't go out much. In fact, she was virtually housebound and while independent in as much as she lived alone, she did appreciate all the support she got. Now on that day in question, somebody entered her house, possibly for robbery, possibly for other reasons, but enter her her house they did. And subsequently went about beating Hilda to what they thought was death with a claw hammer. So she was beaten in a chair in her living room and it would be death in the end, but later examination of her afterwards uh, showed that she had died. um, Sorry, later examination of her after she had died showed that she had been attacked with a screwdriver also. Oh my God. And also she had been strangled. But... Rather sadly, she had taken between 15 and 24 hours to actually die after the attack. So for up to a full day, she had just been in her home slowly dying. Oh my
1: God.
0: Now, eventually it was deemed brain injuries would kill her because they detected at least 29 blows from the claw hammer to her head and face. Uh, but she, had, and, she and, and they also deemed that she had been struck from behind in a chair and that she had fallen to the floor and then been attacked some more. It feels so, like a
1: very personal attack. I don't know yeah. what your thoughts are, but like if if that person is in that house to burgle or to to take something from her, it's a case of, you know, knock them unconscious or, st- or you know, whatever whatever device they want to use, like gun or, or, or knife or whatever, but do what you need to do to get the victim out of the yeah. way and then you get on with it. But... What did you say? Twenty nine blows to the head with the claw. Sure.
0: Yeah. It's it's a lot. And I think that I think I agree with you, Rachel. It's unusual for a robbery. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a personal, it could be a serial killer or someone who's just not well in the head, but um but yeah, it it doesn't feel like a robbery, does it? Or or,
1: or yeah, serial killer who's not well in the head. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> the yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
0: I don't. I, you, I don't. I guess you don't get many soukers at all in the head. No. No. Um, good
1: point. Good point.
0: I was just trying to be nice. But so, the question I have to ask is: How did the police, or why did they suspect Peter Smith?
1: Yeah, and and who would have alerted authorities as well? Do you go on to that? Like, how was she discovered?
0: We'll go on to that. Yeah. Um, believe it or not. So as as I mentioned previously the two of them were neighbors and when hilda's husband died in 2005 peter and his then partner were later to be separated with her they'd helped her a lot uh, to get her finances and things in order now peter would become friendly with hilda now, over the years often popping into her to see if she was okay go to the shops for her do a shopping for her um, do odd bits and bobs around the house you know just be a Supportive neighbor of an elderly person who was by himself. Now, at the time Peter Smith uh, was arrested, um, he was a civil servant and he was single at the time of Hilda's murder and he worked for the Department of Work and Pensions. Now, I'm not quite sure what he did for them because I couldn't find the detail, but he was a civil servant who worked for them. Now, where am I? Yeah, two days prior to her death. Hilda had changed her will with the aid of Peter, but, and I guess for Peter this was crucial. um, She changed it of her own volition, but she changed it to leave her house and money to him. Yes, yes, oh dear, indeed. Um, Which is which is why, yeah, which is why it's motive, isn't it? If you watch *Columbo*, it's definitely motive. But (laughs) it could be argued that if she didn't have any close relatives. And this man had been helping her over the years, while unusual. It's not impossible to consider that she would do this of her own accord. I mean, if you've got money and a house and you've got no one to leave it to, maybe if you leave it to someone who's been really nice to you, then that's not unthinkable, is it, Rachel?
1: Why not? Absolutely. I agree. It's
0: the only reason why I'm nice to you, Rachel, is to get your mention.
1: mansion. <laughs> <laughs> be waiting a long time.
0: Quite possibly, yeah. Um i've seen him a lot tonight uh, peter peter had been peter had actually been the one to find her body to answer your question some two days after oh. the attack so a day after she died but two days after she was attacked and he had contacted the police to say my neighbour's is dead obviously or something along those lines so he was arrested here let me start again he was arrested after it was found that while one of the many things he did to help her was to claim grants on her behalf. And don't worry, he didn't steal the money from her. He'd give her the money of the grants he was claiming for her. He did actually fraudulently claim to be her carer and he would get £240 per week in benefits from doing so. Mm. But but even so, it's a big leap to go from benefit fraud to murder, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Unfortunately, though, for Peter, it was also found that he was £35,000 in debt and he had recently remortgaged his house and was struggling to keep up with all of his debt repayments. So that is why they looked at him and they thought, well, it's suspicious that she changed her will and he was in debt.
1: Mm, yeah, I agree. Great police work.
0: Yes, but the question is, who killed Hilda?
1: Well, yes, that is that is the question. Are we, are we confident it's not Peter?
0: Or are you confident it's not Peter?
1: I'm I'm not confident it's not him. I'm sorry.
0: That's okay. Now, after Peter, let's see. Let's find out if you're right or wrong. Let's yeah. see what's behind card number one. Now, after Peter had his conviction quashed, he would subsequently be arrested again and taken back to trial because the police were unwavering in their belief that he did kill Hilda. Now, it's not a long story here. In November of 2012, Peter would be found guilty, again.
1: Oh. I I know I just said that I wasn't convinced, but it makes me sad that he got sent back to prison. Yes.
0: And he would be sentenced to save a minimum of 29 years in prison before he could be considered for, for release. Now, it would be revealed after the trial that as Hilda was housebound, she was reluctant to let anyone in her house, the killer, Peter as the police believe, but maybe it wasn't, uh, had entered via the back door, which was unlocked, and attacked her from behind. It was also revealed that Hilda only left the back door unlocked when she was expecting someone. This time, it being Peter that she was expecting. Oh. or So the police believed. The house had been staged she looked like a robbery, but the killer... I refer to the killer as Peter for the moment because that's what the police believe, had missed one thing that had made the police believe it wasn't robbery. And that one thing was the fact that Hilda had £18,000 in cash in her bedroom. So it's a pretty big thing to miss. And uh, they stated that Peter obviously didn't know about it because the house had been searched as as if it had been staged for a robbery and if it had actually been searched for real, the police stated that the 18,000 pounds, which wasn't hidden well, would have been found.
1: Oh God.
0: It turned out that she had 48 injuries in talk to her, 29 to her face and head that we talked about with the rest to her body. Now her footprints, both in Hilda's blood and in dust in the back room were found that matched the approximate size of Peter, but none outside the house, which showed that the footwear was was taken off before the killer left the house. Now, Peter's ex-partner indicated Mm. that the marks the shoes left matched one sold at a local Asda a few years earlier, which the police had determined that's where they were from. And ones that Peter had bought, he would leave outside of his house Oh, outside of the back door, in case him or his partner needed to uh, step into some shoes quickly to go outside. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I when Peter, you know, was leaving by the back door so he don't get money in his house, but yeah. when arrested, surprisingly, these shoes could not be found.
1: Uh-oh, hang on. Okay. Yeah. So it's the police they,
0: yeah, police found that they were from a local Asda being sold between certain. Yeah, I can't remember which one. His ex-partner confirmed that he'd bought some of the same of a size nine that t- at that time f- of that type from ASDA, and that he left them outside the house. But when they arrested him, the shoes had disappeared. Mm. So it doesn't look great. It doesn't, so-
1: and and his ex is also very, very. Useful with her level of information, isn't she?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think if I ever bought some shoes from Asta, yeah. I wouldn't remember. Unless like she really liked those shoes, and when they split up, he was like, You're not having them.
1: Well, yeah, like they would have to, there would definitely have to be like something about the shoes, whether it was relating to you or to him, that would keep that so clear in your memory, especially even like when they were bought.
0: Exactly. Maybe he was like, you're having a Breville or the shoes. And obviously you can't say no to a Breville. So she was like, bastard. Yeah. French, ma- but,
1: maybe, maybe that's what caused the breakup. He bought the shoes. She was really annoyed. I mean, I've heard of people breaking up over less. So
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yes. <laughs> but carry on, please.
0: So to finish up, um well, I'm not finishing up yet, but uh Peter, I'm not going to pretend anymore. Peter was the killer. So Oh <laughs> Yeah. I, I I was gonna try and like, I I hadn't put into the script allegedly or stuff like that, but then I was, I was gonna try and wind you up a bit, but I don't have an inclination if I'm being honest. So he was a killer. Um there was quotes in the press from in the press afterwards from the police stating that they're glad that he, like, he'd been convicted again. Uh and I'm I'm not gonna beat him 'cause they're pretty boring. They just basically say Look how wonderful we are. He should never have been let go in the first place, but anyway. Mm. um, Everyone
1: deserves a fair trial, though. Like, I mean, I appreciate he's a killer. And there was a a moment there where I believed that he wasn't because I wanted to believe that he was actually a decent human being. But, like, regardless of, like, um, innocent or guilty, you deserve a, a fair trial, right?
0: Exactly. And to be fair, in the summary of the appeal from the Court of Appeal, they did say that there was strong circumstantial evidence that um, against him, but because of the fingerprint and because it was used so heavily in the original prosecution, it wasn't fair to say that his prosecution was safe because if you take that away, you know, the jury, the are 12 people, aren't they? They could have decided that he didn't do it. Mm. But yeah, there was one interesting quote though that I found, and I've not made his name up. But uh, and, and Shirley, hope hopefully you'll believe me. But um, it's from a Jeff Shirley from the village shop in Skegby. Oh God! And he said, "I thought Smith was the bee's niece. I thought he was ideal for Hilda. That he was a caring, good neighbour. I feel utterly betrayed when it turned out as it has. I was devastated." I honestly thought, how could anyone do that to Hilda? She was so frail. So what do you think about the case, Rachel? Did you know it was him straight away?
1: No, honestly, especially like when you set the scene with him like buzzing around London, feeling like he was invincible and having the best day of his life. I thought, yeah, the innocent man's been set free. But um I thought there was an element there of you building it up to be his girlfriend framing him. Um maybe it so was. That's where my head went, but uh it's a real shame because he obviously just wanted you know the house and saw her as a transaction, not as a um anything else. And that poor woman, like her suffering, was for absolutely nothing because he ended up going to prison anyway. So
0: Yeah. And for longer in the end, because he got first years to start with, he did two and a yeah. half years. Convicted again and got 29 years. But I guess he had, what, a few months out of prison?
1: Yeah, a bit of freedom, hey? Like the taste of freedom. But I don't know what would be worse. Like, I mean, he must have thought in the back of his head, I'm definitely going back.
0: Well, I don't know, because you watch all these TV shows where it's the ones released from the Court of Appeal and you see them hugging and they go on to live a life. They're probably like you probably be hoping and think well are the police going to bother trying to do this again it's a waste of money but obviously yes they did because they they just arrested him again straight away but but yeah well that
1: that's how confident they were because they wouldn't piss about with that would they
0: yeah it's just it's just a shame that they hadn't messed that up in the first place because maybe if he hadn't gone back and looked at the fingerprint and it never would have been brought in yeah maybe it would have just been convicted in the first place but anyway or maybe not you never know these things work out
1: that was a really interesting case like i mean it always upsets me when you hear of um elderly or vulnerable people um being the victims of crime um and that's like that's like white collar crime or like violent crime or you know oh just e- e- like any crime because I just feel like it's so much more relatable. Um, you know everyone has had or has parents um, and and family members that are older that they worry and care for. So I feel like you know sometimes when it's kids and if you don't have kids yourself you think oh that must be awful but it doesn't really tug on your heartstrings. But when it's when it's elderly or vulnerable um people involved it just hits different doesn't it
0: definitely yeah so for one last time i'd like all of you if you're safe to do so to relax close your eyes and picture the scene i want you to think about that quiet unassuming friendly neighbor of yours who always seems so nice and ready to help what exactly is he planning in his head so, thank you all for listening once again. I went a little bit higher there. That's a bit odd. Well, thank you all for listening once again. Uh, what's wrong with me today, Rachel? Uh, let me start again. Thank you all for listening once again, and thank you all for your continued support. If you'd like to comment on this or anything else, please do reach out, and please do like and subscribe wherever you listen to us.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we love hearing from you. And uh, it's all of our lovely listeners that keep us going with the great feedback. I'm not sure about you, Andrew, but I I hear some lovely feedback, um, mostly from friends who I've told, you know, they've got to listen to the show. But um, but yeah, they say such lovely things and it makes me very proud. So please keep it coming. Um, uh, Yeah. Anything you've got to to shout out about, let us know
0: exactly and we'd even wouldn't even mind looking at your wonderful breville creations <laughs> oh i wouldn't anyway maybe rachel would but
1: i don't think i'm as big a toasty fan as you are but yeah who knows
0: uh, do, do you want to stay my friend here
1: <laughs> i know what's on my christmas list for you uh,
0: anyway let's um i'm gonna cut this off because people are listening to us talk about nonsense here but thank you everyone
1: Thanks, guys. Take care. Speak soon.